Hello, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts Edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's July 2nd, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Twilio and Asana become the first to list on the long-term stock exchange. Two, the downward pressure on app commission fees. And three, Augusto's new payroll APIs signaling an ambition to become the Stripe for HR. Shift one, Twilio and Asana become the first to list on the long-term stock exchange. Last week, the for-profit long-term stock exchange, LTSE, founded by Eric Ries of the Lean Startup and backed by Andreessen Horowitz, announced the first two companies to commit to listing on LTSE. Cloud communications platform Twilio, a $67 billion market cap, and project management application Asana, a $10 billion market cap, both of which are currently listed on the NYSE, plan to join LTSE via dual listing on August 26, 2021. The CEOs of both companies are minority investors in LTSE. LTSC is intended to connect investors and companies aligned on long-term value creation, create a narrative that allows company executives to invest in long-term priorities, for example, innovation and R&D, and reduce the short-term market pressure on listed companies. Approved as a national stock exchange by the SEC in May 2019, LTSC launched trading of all U.S.-listed stocks required for all exchanges in the national market system on September 9, 2020. Companies listed on LTSC are required to publish operating policies based on five long-term principles, such as executive compensation tied to longer-term metrics and engagement with tenured investors. While companies have flexibility over how to institute, these policies should generally represent quote-unquote independently verifiable actions since LTSC, as a stock exchange, is not able to enforce them. LTSC's goal is to create a fiduciary duty for executives to make long-term decisions. LTSC has no requirements around voting rights provisions, holding periods, lockups, or other restrictions on securities. As a national market exchange, LTSC will trade in all U.S.-listed securities, but what will differentiate LTSC, or not, is the quality of its listings. The track record for buzzy upstart exchanges has not been strong. The Investors Exchange, IEX, for instance, only secured one listing in three years and eventually exited listings in 2019. LTSC's low trading volumes can be a barrier for companies considering joining. Part of the reason why it has pitched dual listings with NYSC or NASDAQ as the primary and LTSC as the secondary exchange. LTSC will not charge transaction fees and will not charge for access to a proprietary market feed, so securing listings is critical to its business model. As of February 2020, LTSC had letters of intent to list from over 20 companies but Asana and Twilio were the first to do so nearly a year after LTSC began trading, and only after LTSC temporarily cut listing fees by 50% during 2021. Its normal listing fee schedule is based on market cap and ranges up to $500,000 annually, similar to the NYSC but as a flat fee without add-ons. Expensify is also reportedly considering a dual listing. For LTSC to be successful, being dual-listed on LTSC needs to become a meaningful signal to investors. In the same way that in prior decades a Warren Buffett-owned company had a certain halo of being a high-quality, well-governed corporation, being listed on the LTSC needs to represent a hard-to-falsify commitment to long-term value creation that can attract certain types of investors. To do so, 
LTSC needs to attract branded companies already known to be solid and forward-thinking in order to attract other companies that want that batch. Doubling down on ESG, environmental, social, and governance, could be a winning strategy for LTSE. Among LTSE's principles is consideration of, quote, a broader group of stakeholders, end quote, including the listed company's, quote, impact on the environment and its community, end quote, and, quote, approach to diversity and inclusion, end quote. LTSE is hoping to ride on the current wave of investor and corporate interest in ESG. BlackRock is describing this shift to sustainable investing as, quote, unquote, tectonic with new global inflows into sustainable funds more than doubling from 2019 to reach $360 billion in 2020, and no signs of slowing in 2021. Businesses are also investing billions in ESG, partly in response to pressure from activist investors and policymakers. LTSC is not the only stock exchange with an eye to ESG. NYSC and NASDAQ are investing in ESG advisory services to listed companies. NASDAQ also acquired carbon removal marketplace Puro.Earth last month and this week launched its ESG data hub connecting investors with ESG data from providers. It is also proposing a diversity rule that would require boards to have at least one woman and one member from another underrepresented group. According to LTSC founder Eric Ries, quote, the material benefit of being seen as an ESG leader has become bigger as so much money has flowed in, end quote. It's not clear, however, to what extent being seen as an ESG leader will be reality rather than just good marketing. Twilio and Asana, for instance, are reportedly still working out their LTSE commitments, but their CEOs have indicated they would be in line with existing efforts. In some cases, listing on the LTSE may be an effort to surface and draw attention to existing commitments rather than signaling a shift in strategy. To read more content on stock exchanges and ESG investments, check out our September 2nd, 2020 brief the Future of the Global Stock Exchanges, and our February 26, 2020 brief, Billions in Climate Funding from Bezos, Microsoft, KKR, and others. Why now? Shift 2. The Downward Pressure on App Commission Fees Before this past year, the going app store commission rate for paid apps, in-app purchases, in the first year of subscription products had long been 30%. Subscriptions were typically subject to a lower 15% cut after year one. Apple's move in November 2020 to cut its commission rate to 15% for developers with less than $1 million in annual sales broke new ground at the time. Viewed as a response to antitrust pressure and negative press from its battle with large app makers, the move impacted 98% of Apple and iOS developers, but just 2.7% of Apple's App Store revenue. Google followed suit in March 2021 reducing its Google Play commission to 15% for the first $1 million in revenue for all enrolled developers, including large developers, starting on July 1. The pandemic has had a large part in changing the narrative around App Store commissions. There was broad pushback on big tech firms viewed as thriving during a human catastrophe, in part based on their role as gatekeepers to necessary infrastructure. During the pandemic, many businesses like Airbnb and fitness subscription ClassPass shifted to in-app virtual events and found they were subject to a steep commission rate that, in some cases, made the business model untenable. Apple in September 2020 eventually waived commissions for online-only events on a temporary basis and later extended the moratorium to the end of 2021, deferring the backlash. Over the past few weeks, a number of app marketplaces, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Shopify, have come forward to announce cuts in their commission rates. 
Amazon announced a commission decrease under the Amazon App Store Small Business Accelerator Program for developers with less than $1 million in revenue. Under the program, which will launch Q4 2021, Amazon will take a 20% commission but also offer 10% of revenue as credit towards AWS services, netting out to a 10% commission for existing AWS users and providing an incentive for users of other cloud services to convert. Google is also dropping its fees for its Play Media Experience program from 30% to 15%. The program is intended to encourage app developers to integrate premium video, audio, or books content onto certain Android-based platforms such as Wear OS, Android Auto, Android TV, Google TV, Google Cast platforms, tablets, and foldables. Unlike the small business programs described earlier, the Play Media Experience program is targeting larger developers with over 100,000 monthly active installs on Google Play. Microsoft's Windows 11 announcement included a Microsoft Store redesign with an open ecosystem approach and more revenue-sharing options. Starting July 28th, developers that use a third-party payment system or their own will be able to keep 100% of revenue on a 0% commission. A clear challenge to Apple's mandatory use of its in-app purchase system, which has raised antitrust hackles. Developers that use the Microsoft Commerce platform will see a 15% commission on apps and 12% on games. This week, Shopify announced that Shopify App Store and Theme Store developers will pay 0% commission, down from 20%, on the first $1 million they earn each year starting on August 1st as well. Revenue in excess of $1 million will see a 15% commission. App developer partners made $233 million in 2020 from the over 6,100 apps on the Shopify App Store, and Shopify's over 1.7 million merchants use an average of six apps to run their business. Everyone will be watching to see how Apple responds. While Apple effectively fired the starting gun on this downward pressure on app commission fees, it is not immune to the downstream effects. It can maintain a hard line on commission fees, giving way only when there is no significant business model impact. The strength of its ecosystem is such that developers have relatively few alternatives. However, that would only validate the opinion that Apple is a monopoly, and doesn't help it with longer-run issues like antitrust scrutiny and developer relationships. Apple is already facing antitrust charges in the EU. In the US, sweeping antitrust legislation has been proposed with big tech firms in the crosshairs. With the appointment of big tech critic Lena Khan as FTC commissioner, industry watchers are expecting a step up in antitrust enforcement on that front as well. Quote-unquote walled gardens are a central antitrust theme, edging alarmingly close to the heart of big tech's lucrative ecosystem-based business models. Apple is also walking a fine line with respect to its developer relationships. 39% of developers are unhappy with Apple App Store distribution, but mostly because of the process, for example, inconsistent adjudication, rather than the fees. Unfortunately for Apple, the inconsistency of its processes has left it open to accusations of monopolistic control, preferencing its own apps, and inside deals cut with certain developers. There is a clear bifurcation between smaller developers who need Apple's distribution and larger developers who represent most of Apple's App Store revenue. Apple is willing to give way on commissions for the 98% of developers who represent a relatively small percent of its revenue, but it is deeply conflicted about the larger developers. Apple's disputes with larger app makers on its tax, especially with respect to subscriptions, are long-standing. It's no surprise that developers like Epic Games take issue with Apple's cut. 
Analysts estimate that the game Fortnite has earned Apple over $300 million in commissions. Large developers think that Apple is making too much, and Apple thinks that large developers can afford it. The power differential is less uneven vis-a-vis large developers, but Apple still holds the cards, as long as it can win in court in the realm of public opinion. That's not assured, though large developers are less likely to garner public sympathy in a rich company versus rich company battle. What is considered the norm is a moving target. Part of what is happening is that other digital marketplaces, most of them smaller than the Apple App Store, are signaling a shift in market norms towards lower App Store commission fees. While Apple doesn't have to follow them, not following the norm sets up pressure that will eventually find release in court or public opinion. Venture capitalist Bill Gurley has suggested that the right number is something closer to 10%, which would be a tough pill for Apple to swallow. To read more content related to big tech and antitrust, check out our July 15th, 2020 brief, Who Will Be the Next Set of Big Tech Firms? In our June 19th, 2020 Three Shifts edition, Apple gets antitrust heat for its App Store and Apple Pay practices. Shift 3. Augusta's new payroll APIs signaling an ambition to become the stripe for HR? Earlier this week, payroll and HR tech company Gusto announced the launch of Gusto Embedded Payroll, GEP. Using GEP, B2B SaaS vendors will be able to embed Gusto's payroll capabilities using APIs into their own customer-facing software. For example, custom payroll product and turnkey white-label experience. Developers can sign up for early access to the payroll APIs, which will carry a monthly cost dependent on the depth of the partnership and product integration. Gusto, valued at $3.8 billion as of July 2019, was originally founded to solve payroll for small and medium-sized businesses. Its suite of products, which has since expanded to encompass benefits, time tracking, hiring, onboarding, retirement, and employee finance tools, is used by over 100,000 business customers as of mid-2019, across 50 states. It grew 50% last year and, to date, has processed quote-unquote tens of millions of paychecks and quote-unquote hundreds of billions of dollars in payroll. According to Gusto, over a dozen companies have already started building its payroll capabilities into their software. GEP is targeting partners with platforms serving small and medium-sized businesses, riding on the growth of quote-unquote vertical SaaS, fintech, and neobanks. Vertical SaaS are all-in-one, quote-unquote, business-in-a-box platforms built for very specific industries such as barbershops. These platforms may be lacking in robust payroll and HR capabilities. Several of Gusto's first GEP clients, for instance, are building software for barbershops, Squire, construction sites, Busy Busy, salons, spas, and fitness centers, Vigaro, and housekeepers, Zenmade. A typical vertical SaaS GEP customer might build workflows for managing payroll for the industry-specific workforce directly into their platform. They can use Gusto's APIs rather than invest in solving the complexities of payroll across jurisdictions and tax codes. We profiled Gusto in last week's Three Shifts edition on compound startups, B2B SaaS companies that offer a set of closely integrated tools and a consolidated system that can be stickier with customers. With GEP, Gusto seems to be going beyond being a compound startup in its own right and helping vertical SaaS firms become mini-compound startups that can offer more value and address industry-specific needs more fully. Payroll is just the beginning for Gusto. It has plans to open up its other HR capabilities through APIs, including benefits, financial tools, hiring, and onboarding. 
Gusto was capitalizing on its existing architecture, which was built using internal APIs and could readily be opened up to the public when the executive team deemed the market was ready. In disaggregating and embedding its B2B services into other businesses' offerings via API, Gusto's ambitions call to mind what Stripe has done for payments. Like Stripe, it is taking an enormously complex and essential space and simplifying it for businesses, leveraging APIs to gain ubiquity. Once embedded, business customers are unlikely to want to undertake the disruption of changing vendors. Gusto's co-founders expect GEP to have quote-unquote similar economics to its regular offering, which at the most basic level runs $6 per month per employee plus a $39 per month base price. Gusto also has the opportunity to turn its GEP partners into customers of its regular offering. If embedded services make vertical SaaS offerings more attractive to their industry customers, they may be in need of an HR platform as they grow and scale. To read more content related to Gusto, the Compound Startup, Stripe, and Embedded Finance, check out our June 25th, 2021, Three Shifts edition, Do B2B SaaS customers prefer Compound Startups? In our December 11th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, Stripe and the broader shakeup in banking services. That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the right to repair and talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts edition.